When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello again, everybody, and welcome into Gamecock Central Radio. Emerson Phillips with Scott Davis to talk some Gamecock football, a heartbreaking defeat for the Gamecocks on Saturday in Knoxville, and Scott's column is up this week on Gamecock Central. Scott, our Gamecock Central writers, our reporters, uh, typically uh, do their best to be objective and report the news as it happens, as it concerns Gamecock football and the like, but your perspective is a little bit different, Scott. hope you'll tell us a little bit about that. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, I'm definitely not objective. Let there be no doubt about that. I'm a Gamecock fan. So, as always, as we always say on this podcast, take my opinions with a a grain of salt. If you're a Gamecock fan, just pretend that I'm talking to you fan to fan, not necessarily representing the opinions of Gamecock Central. These are just my opinions as someone who loves the University of South Carolina. Good deal, Scott. I particularly enjoyed your column this week, and I wanted to get you to tell us about uh, your trip to New York City. You did not watch the game from your home in Atlanta, which you would typically do if you're not in Columbia watching at Williams-Brice. You typically watch at home in Atlanta, but you were in New York City this weekend. Tell us about the trip. Yeah, it was a great trip. Uh, Beautiful fall weather up there all weekend. My wife had a business event this past week there, and so I decided to tag along at the end of the week. And uh, when she asked if I wanted to do that, obviously I said, well, look, it's during football season. I don't know if we can if we could be making vacation arrangements during football season, but I had decided for once in my life to uh, try to be a good husband, and if need be, and, and I wound up just scrolling through Twitter on my phone to keep up with the game, then that's what I was going to do. In fact, uh, before we left, my mom said, how in the world are you going to write a column this week if you're not able to watch the game? And I said, well, I'll figure something out. And lo and behold, didn't need to figure something out because as I wrote in the column, my wife and I ended up at one of the wildest, most raucous Gamecock parties I've ever been to. And that was at a place called the Mason Jar in downtown Manhattan. It was an incredibly fun evening. I really enjoyed my time there. Thanks to everybody that works there and that invited us to come there and to the New York City Gamecock Club because they put on a great show there. Hey, I thought it was interesting, Scott. You met somebody the night before that had also attended the University of South Carolina, and this fellow said, hey, you should come to the Mason Jar and watch the game there. And it was Gamecock, Garnet, and Black uh, everywhere when you showed up. I don't know what you were expecting, but I got the impression that you were expecting something maybe a little bit different, and it turned out to be a big Gamecock party. Yeah, it was one of, it was really one of the the best Gamecock viewing experiences I've ever had anywhere, and that includes Greenville, Columbia, Charleston, wherever you want to name it, because uh, as you said, we, our very first dinner um, in New York on Friday night, we accidentally met a guy who graduated from South Carolina, works at a place called the Polo Bar in New York. And he was just as excited as we were to meet someone who else in the city who uh, who went to South Carolina. And so he excitedly wrote down directions to uh, the Mason Jar. And therefore, there we were on Saturday watching South Carolina and Tennessee. And yes, 
I've been to a few of these Gamecock Club viewing party type environments uh, at different places. And usually there's a handful of tables with some tame alumni hanging out, watching one or two flat screens somewhere in the bar and cheering when good things happen. This was not what that was at all. The staff was decked out in Gamecock colors. They were wearing Beat Tennessee stickers everywhere you look. There was Gamecock memorabilia in the place. There was a huge Gamecock flag hanging from the ceiling as well as one outside in front of the uh, establishment. Gamecock jerseys everywhere, and it was just a great vibe. It literally was filled to the brim with Gamecock fans, and what was interesting was upon leaving, I was talking to the guy that had initially invited us, and I said, man, this is an amazing turnout, great crowd, and he said, wow, you know, believe it or not, I was thinking it wasn't that good of a crowd. The crowds haven't been as good <laughs> since we've been losing as they usually are. And I said, man, that, that can't possibly be true because it took me about 45 minutes to kind of wrestle my way through the mass of humanity to go to the bathroom at one point. He said, well, last year for the first game of the season against Texas A&M, there was a line waiting to get in of Gamecock fans that stretched for over a block trying to get into the mason jar. So if for any reason whatsoever you find yourself in New York City and there's any kind of Gamecock sporting event going on, whether it's basketball, football, what have you that might be televised, I'd advise you to go there. It's a great place to watch the cock. How many uh, Gamecock fans do you think were at the mason jar on Saturday? Oh, man, there were hundreds. I, I, It's hard to put a number into it. I, I just know that there was no available space in that uh, building. Every seat, every table was taken. There was four or five deep standing at the bar watching the game. Like I said, trying to get to the bathroom was uh, a journey. It was a difficult endeavor trying to wrestle your way through there. But it was such a positive vibe and a, a great atmosphere. There was no angst or anxiety involved. It was just people there to support their team and to have a chance to mingle with other fans like them who they don't get to see in that area very often. So I really enjoyed uh, my time there. And again, thanks to the New York City Gamecock Club, they've got a great little uh, scene going there. Scott, it sounded like being in New York City this week helped ease the pain of this Gamecock loss, and your column this week on Gamecock Central has the title City of Heartbreak, and that's not a reference to New York City, obviously. It's a reference to Knoxville. Yeah, Knoxville's been a, a place of doom and despair for South Carolina the last 15 years. We Our games against Tennessee, probably stretching back again 15 seasons or so, have been nail biters almost every single season. More often than not, the Vols have come out on top, although the Gamecocks did enjoy some some solid success against them under Steve Spurrier, won three in a row against them at one time. But I, as I wrote in the column, I've watched two overtime losses to Tennessee in Knoxville personally. Um, we've had some heartbreakers against them at home at williams Bryce Stadium as well. It just seems like for some reason or another when those two teams play, no matter how good one or the other is, the game comes down to the wire and someone goes home feeling devastated. Um, our games against Georgia the last 15 years or so have been pretty close for the most part too, but I don't think anything really compares to what we've experienced playing Tennessee these last few seasons. It just seems like so, as I said, somebody's crying and and somebody's happy. And so Knoxville's been a tough place for us. We've had so many opportunities to close the door on that team over the past few years there. And just for whatever reason, it seems like 
the dark skies <laughs> begin to hover over Neyland Stadium and South Carolina finds a way to lose games that more, more often than not they probably should win. Gamecock Central Radio here, Emerson Phillips with Gamecock Central columnist Scott Davis talking about this heartbreaking defeat to Tennessee and Scott's column that is on Gamecock Central this week. And we've got a new Android app that's out. All you got to do is search Gamecock Central Radio, and we're awaiting approval of our new iPhone app as well. But we are on iTunes. Simply search Gamecock Central Radio. Scott, uh, weekly feature in your column is Pharaoh Cooper Game Balls, and you got three of them this week. Yeah, you know, Farrah Cooper's been one of my favorite Gamecocks of the last decade or so. I just love the way he plays. He's I also love the way he carries himself. He's been on a couple struggling teams the last two seasons. There's no doubt about it. He's been by far the best player on those two teams, and not once has he complained, not once has he griped about not getting the ball or maybe not having an elite quarterback to work with who could help him pad his stats and get him ready to go to the NFL, which we all know he's going to do after this season and should do. So I, I respect the way he plays. I enjoy his game, and I like the way he carries himself. And so when we handed out game balls this week, we, <clears throat> you know, one of the things I talked about, as I've talked about in the last few columns, you just have to admire Sean Elliott's passion. I really do believe He's connected with this team. I think these players are responding to them, to him. Uh, the Gamecocks go out there on the road and get behind 17 to nothing in the first half. They should have folded and died early right there. They should have never been heard from in this football game. You had 100,000 people wearing a despicably colored orange, yelling and screaming in the stands of Neyland Stadium. It looked like it was going to be a rout out there. And uh, lo and behold, the Gamecocks chipped away, fought back, did some good things on offense, and were able to stop the bleeding on defense, especially in the second half. Finally, we were able to get a little pressure on Tennessee quarterback Josh Dobbs, which if you've watched this Gamecock defense this year, that was seemingly miraculous. But uh, I was very, very proud to watch them out there and proud of the leadership that they have right now with Sean Elliott. No, he's hurting that he hasn't been able to provide the wins that he knows Gamecock Nation desperately wants and needs. But it's hard to argue with the effort. Uh, if this team is simply not as talented as the teams they're playing, so be it. But they are giving what they have to give. And particularly on offense, they have, have somewhat found identity. They're going to try to run the ball, even if it does seem like it's working. They're hoping that they can eventually grind you down over four quarters. And they're going to mix things up as well and look for new avenues to move the chains. So I continue to admire and enjoy Elliott's passion and certainly wanted to give that a game ball because, as I said in the column, I think these coaches are in a pretty pretty difficult situation. You come in at midseason, try to take over a team, rally the troops, a team that's struggling and seemingly without hope, and find a way to get through the last six games against some difficult opponents and in some difficult circumstances when you're on the road a good bit. And I, I think they've really given it their all. I, I doubt, it's hard to sit here and say they'll win these last three games and find themselves in a bowl game at 6-6, six and six, but at the same time, you can't count them out because they really have uh, played with enthusiasm the last few weeks. I apologize. I should have said there are four Farrow Cooper game balls this week. Scott, you gave one to the good folks at the Mason Jar in New York City where you watch the game. Hundreds of Gamecock fans there uh, watching the Tennessee game on TV, and you talked about uh, – 
Jadavion Clowney jerseys, folks wearing Marcus Lattimore jerseys, Gamecock pictures throughout the bar, and it sounded like a great place to watch the game. Yeah, I, I don't know if Marcus is listening, but if, if he is by any chance, he's he might not know this, but he has a lot of fans in New York City. There were tons of Lattimore jerseys on display. There was one guy who, who even had an official Lattimore more jersey the kind that with the stitching the the exact kind that the players wear on the field in addition to many many people wearing the replica Lattimore jerseys so he's a popular guy still in Gamecock Nation whether it's in Columbia South Carolina or New York City and uh, again as I said the Mason Jar did a great job New York City cab drivers also Scott uh, despite the language barrier (laughs) let me tell you something (laughs) <laughs> you know, I've been to New York several times, stretching back a couple of decades now as an old guy, and the language barrier has always been difficult when you get into a cab in the city, but it's never been <laughs> as hard as it is right now. I'm, I'm telling you, you're going to get blank stares when you uh, announce your address and, and maybe a grunt or two, but you're never going to get official confirmation that anyone has any idea what you just said or where you're going. And yet somehow or another, miraculously in about five or 10 minutes, you'll cruise up to wherever it was you intended to go. Now you may not know how in the world you got there and perhaps the driver doesn't either, but there's just something in the air in Manhattan that makes those cabs get to where they're supposed to go. I don't know how they do it. Very good. Emerson Phillips with Scott Davis here on Gamecock Central Radio. You can get breaking Gamecock news alerts delivered to your email inbox. Simply text USC to 42828. Text USC to 42828 or go to the Gamecock Central homepage for more information on that. Scott, I wanted to mention the 9-11 memorial as well. You said it was every bit as moving as you would expect it to be. Yeah, if you haven't been there, I encourage you to do it. I, you know, there's a lot of moving memorials across the country, whether it's the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Washington, D.C., or uh, there, there are just many to see. But this is one that should go right to the top of your list. Uh, if you care about this country, if you remember that day vividly as I do, and anyone my age does, and, and really anyone even 10, 15 years younger than me, does you know for people of my generation i always remember my father talking about every one of his generation remembered exactly where they were and what they were doing when john f kennedy was assassinated and and for those of us who are my age that day 9-11 represents the exact same kind of moment and for our grandparents it was when pearl harbor was attacked but i think that you know sometimes it's easy to forget about it it's been 14 years now and Going there and seeing the footprint of where the World Trade Center had been and just, you know, how huge and colossal that structure was and and realizing that it came crumbling down. It's just it it really puts into perspective what that day meant for us in this country. And then, of course, seeing the names uh, just brings it all home because you realize these were not just faceless individuals in a building. They were someone's mom, someone's dad, someone's brother, someone's cousin, someone's best friend. And so, uh, it's an incredibly moving place. It's a solemn place for sure. Uh, the way they've set up those two footprints of the towers, they've got fountains running into the middle of them that just sort of endlessly stream down into the middle. And it, it is the kind of place that causes you to reflect and remember, certainly, of course, the sacrifice 
those of uh, those in the fire department and police departments of New York made that day, and and many regular people made that day trying to help their fellow citizens. So, if you get a chance to go there, if you're in the New York area for some reason, and or in the neighborhood of Lower Manhattan, it's it's absolutely worth a visit. Talking with Scott Davis here on Gamecock Central Radio. Scott gives us a fan's perspective each week, and he was in New York City this past weekend watching South Carolina play Tennessee, watch the game on TV there in New York. So, Scott, in addition to the Farrow Cooper game balls that you hand out each week, you also have Roger Goodell deflated balls, and we have three this week. Yeah, you know, I always gave out game balls going back to when I first started writing this column 11 years ago. It's certainly not a novel concept. There's columnists everywhere who give out game balls, I think. I think there are even some Gamecock Central writers who do the same thing. But last year when things started going bad, I started to mix in what I called at the time anti-game balls because it seemed like each week the Gamecocks were either the, the players or coaches or fans or someone was doing something that needed to be called out in a, in a not-so-positive way. And this year, after the endless uh, Roger Goodell, Tom Brady deflated ball saga in honor of of that wonderful sports episode, I decided to name those the Roger Goodell deflated balls. And one of them that I handed out this week was a decision that I'm not sure, and I, I have not read yet whether this has been specifically addressed, but I have to wonder if something went wrong I can't possibly believe this was the play call, but South Carolina faced a fourth and four around the 43-yard line of Tennessee, somewhere thereabouts. It was near the 40-yard line. And if you've been reading anything about football in the last 10 years or so, it's that statisticians and analysts and others have said coaches do not go for it on fourth down nearly enough. And the reason they believe they don't is because they're afraid that if they fail, they'll be blown up by the media and fans, whereas the safe thing to do is punt. But the reality is, if you go for it on fourth down often, most of the time you will make it. And the uh, additional downs gives you a better chance to win and to score. So Sean Elliott decides to go for it there on fourth and four. I love that decision. The Gamecocks were struggling right then. They needed a spark. Something needed to happen. And as I said in the column, if they punt the ball there and it rolls into the end zone, which is a highly likely outcome, then the football would be at the 20, and they would have only netted 20 yards anyway, which doesn't do much of anything. So love the idea to go for it. Unfortunately, with fourth and four there, the Gamecocks ran the ball up the middle, just dove right into Tennessee's defensive line and for a gain of none. Um, I, I just can't. I can't possibly believe that was the play call. I don't know if there was a miscommunication there. Again, I, I haven't heard Sean Elliott directly address that topic yet. He may have done, but I, I missed it if so. So I, I wasn't sure what happened on that one. Yeah, if ever there was a throw-something-at-your-TV moment for Gamecock fans, that was one of them for sure, in addition to the fumble in the last minute of the ball game. 
that cost the Gamecocks an opportunity for a potential uh, game-tying field goal. Maybe even had time there at the end to take a couple of shots at the end zone. So, Scott, uh, another Roger Goodell deflated ball this week goes to Kyler Murray. You know, we talked last week about the fact that the Gamecock defense has had a knack for making quarterbacks look great, and then those quarterbacks the rest of the season kind of go down the tubes. And sure enough, Kyler Murray, the Texas A&M quarterback, after carving up the Gamecocks two weeks ago, throws three picks in a 26-10 to Texas A&M loss to Auburn. Yeah, I tell you what, Emerson, uh, Kyler Murray made you and me look very, very wise this week <laughs> because we spent about 10 minutes on this topic last week, and and we both said, hey, the guy looked good, but let's let's reserve judgment until we actually see him play a defense that doesn't have Carolina on its jerseys because the Gamecocks have a strange, strange ability to uh, turn average quarterbacks into world beaters. And so far, that appears to be exactly what happened. Murray went out there and he uh, ran for well over 100 yards and threw for over 200 yards against South Carolina. He scored a touchdown through the air and on the ground himself. He looked like the second coming of Cam Newton at times. And then he goes out against a mediocre <laughs> Auburn defense, a mediocre to bad Auburn defense, quite honestly, one that has struggled mightily at times under first-year defensive coordinator Will Muschamp and really couldn't get anything going. I, Auburn has, has struggled on both sides of the ball most of the year and contained Kyler Murray with ease and with efficiency, and he went 13 for 23 for an absolutely anemic 105 yards. He threw three picks and virtually took his team out of the football game early and often against Auburn, and so – at some point or another, we've got to figure out why South Carolina is transforming the likes of Grayson Lambert and Kyler Murray and others into Heisman Trophy candidates. It's been head-scratching. It's been infuriating. And uh, I don't have the answers for it. And unfortunately, it doesn't look like anyone does. Scott, the third deflated ball this week goes to the Hustlers in Central Park up there in New York City. No rickshaw rides, no half-baked park tours for you, huh? Let me, let me tell you something. I, I get an opportunity to visit larger cities in America fairly often, and, and I always enjoy doing so. And, and I've adopted what I had thought was a foolproof way to avoid these shakedowns from drifters and hustlers that you're, you're simply going to run into when you are in a larger environment. And that is to stare into the horizon <laughs> – never acknowledge that you're even being spoken to. Just pretend you're looking off into the distance, perhaps that you can't even hear. And it typically works. For some reason, that approach did not succeed in New York. Uh, I, so I finally resorted to just walking directly to them and saying, absolutely not, no. And that didn't even work. Uh, these guys are relentless. So if you find yourself with perhaps your wife or a friend or someone wanting to take a walk through Central Park, prepare uh, for battle, because these these guys w are not going to stop until you essentially sprint away from them. So I don't know what you do about that, but, man, those guys are annoying. Well, at least you issued the caveat for anybody who's headed to New York who might not have been there in some time. Scott, uh, you left uh, your article this week with a, a good, warm feeling, and it, it really made me feel good. As a South Carolina alum myself, you know, it kind of gave me a warm feeling and reminded me why I am proud to be 
a graduate of the University of South Carolina and a Gamecock fan as well. And I wanted to get you to talk about that a little bit. Your experience in New York kind of rekindled that feeling for you as well, it sounded like. It really did. And I've said this a couple times in the column. Sometimes I think that living in South Carolina and being caught up in the day-to-day of the team and obviously the rivalry with Clemson can sometimes cloud our thinking and make us forget about why we care about this university and this state and this team. And uh, we start to focus on the negatives and this guy's injured and this guy failed out of school and this guy didn't live up to his potential and these coaches don't know what they're doing. And listen, none of us are immune from that kind of thinking, including me. I've certainly, you know, had some columns this year where, I pointed out some things that I thought were unsatisfactory in the Gamecock program. But when you get out of town and you know that no matter what, you're still going to be able to go out and enjoy yourself that night and you're not going to run into a condescending, annoying Clemson fan or a Georgia fan who makes fun of you for never being able to win. All you have to do at that point is just focus on your own team. Uh, a good buddy of mine have, have talked about this for years on the phone. We get together every Monday morning usually and break down what happened during the game you know, on previous Saturday. And we, we've said before, wouldn't it be so nice if, if Clemson just didn't exist, <laughs> if it was just us? That way then you, you could take the losses and they would sting. But, you know, the next day you wouldn't have to go to church and get rolled up by some dork who wants to make fun of you or head into the office on Monday and get teased and made fun of by some coworker who's a loser. And uh, it, it, it would be a relief almost to just focus on your own team and not have to fight this sort of double-sided battle where you can't just win, but you got to make sure they lose too. And there's so much anxiety built around that. And when you're out of town, that just doesn't exist. It evaporates. I don't think anybody in that bar wants to see Clemson win the national championship, and I certainly don't either. But if they did, they're not going to have to put up with condescending comments and smug looks from Clemson fans when they go to work on Monday. It's just not going to happen. So in that kind of environment, you can just enjoy your own team. And that's what we all did out there Saturday night. And when I was talking to the guy who invited us, to the mason jar he he spoke about how positive he still was and how upbeat he was and he said you know what i still think we can beat clemson i haven't given up hope on that and he smiled and everybody was in exuberant spirits even though we lost to tennessee to go to three and six on the year and it did make me think you know what this is a resilient fan base it, it really is it, it's we've seen it all for with this team with this university and with this state and For whatever reason, we just keep getting back up off the ground. We keep supporting this team. We keep loving these guys. And I really, it hit home to me how much I appreciate the Gamecock fan base and how proud I am to be a part of it. Fantastic column this week, Scott. I much enjoyed reading it and enjoyed doing the podcast with you each week. Let's do it again next week. Looking forward to it, Emerson. Thanks again as always, my friend. Very good. Scott Davis, our columnist from Gamecock Central. I'm Emerson Phillips, and we'll have another edition of Gamecock Central Radio for you with Scott and me next week right here on Gamecock Central Radio. Thanks for joining us.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.